you got a Bible this morning, go to Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41. You guys know that it's going to snow this week? It snows on Tuesday, then it snows all weekend. Isn't that crazy? So uh, get ready. Um, if you need someone to shovel your driveway, Marcus is available. He would love to. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, but um, anyway, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a snowy weekend. It's coming up. But the title, I just wanted to read these two verses, and then I'm gonna give you the title to the message. But um, and he, meaning Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small, small copper coins, which makes a penny. The title of the message this morning is, Your Gift is Enough. Your Gift is Enough. God, I thank you for this morning, for every person that's here. Um, God, I don't, we don't come to hear a person preach. We don't come to hear a band play. We come to worship you, and we come to hear from heaven. So we just say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We say everything that would distract us from what you have to say to us, we pray gone in Jesus' name. And we ask right now that you would be Lord of our attention, Lord of our hearts. We say, speak, Lord. Your kids are listening. And everyone said, amen. Well, the title of this message is, Your Gift is Enough. Uh, this story opens up in the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus, if you look at the previous chapter, has just finished talking to a bunch of religious leaders, and they came with all their debates and all of their expertise, and they came and they challenged him, and one of them even said, so, hey, um, should I give to Caesar or should I give to God? And Jesus said, give to, God, give to Caesar. What is Caesar's? Give to God. What is God's? Some other people came in, they challenged him about other things, about the resurrection, all these, like, all these big questions, and Jesus wisely answered all of them. At the end of that little section, at the end of that little section, Jesus, um, he turns and he talks about the religious leaders, and he says this. He says, you religious leaders, he says, beware of the teachers of the religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. They love the seat of honor in the temple and the head of the, tip, head of the table at banquets. Yet they shamefully cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be severely punished. These religious leaders who got the cool hair and the nice clothes and the good car and all the stuff, he's like, look out for these. They're not, their heart isn't right. And I think we've all heard of the abuses in places of church where religious leaders, pastors and, and the like, there has been sometimes people have experienced church hurt, right? Where there's been spaces where we've been hurt by others, hurt by those in authority. And I just want to say at the very beginning, may Blessed City Church not be a church where you get hurt by those in charge. And if you've ever been hurt in church, I just want to encourage you, God's got some good preachers out there who love God and are not about the money or the power. And um, I think God is continuing to keep rising up those that would, would walk that out well. Um, the gospel is this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ. And that's true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. And yet there are those that have twisted that message. 
adding requirements, making people follow them instead of Jesus, turning faith into duty. But faith is not duty. Faith is what? Trust. It, faith is like a trust fall. Faith is like sitting on a chair and believing it's going to hold your weight. Faith is taking God at his word and making decisions based on that. I, um, I had a really um, fun story this morning. So Victor, um, a couple weeks ago we were talking, and we were talking yesterday about this, but a couple weeks ago he took up the challenge that he was going to start tithing and giving God 10% of his income. And so we were talking about this yesterday, and uh, I don't know if it was two, three weeks ago or last week or whatever. He's, he's like, okay, I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to tithe 10% of my income. And so he does that. Goes home, and the, one of the first people he sees is his dad, and his dad hands him um, a $100 bill. He's like, well, what's this all about? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm just giving money. I felt like I was supposed to give money to different people, different relatives in the family, and so I felt like I was supposed to give you this. And I just, I just thought it was super fun how Victor stepped out in faith and is just like, I'm going to trust God in my finances. And then God rewarded him by saying, look, you can, I'm going to take care of you. I just thought that was really fun, so... Isn't that fun? I thought, I thought it was fun. In that temple that morning when Jesus sat down, it says he sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. We got our little offering box in the back there. And when you went into the temple, they actually had 13 offering boxes. So you think we, you know, we should have 13 of them. You're just going to go around the room and there's like a whole bunch of them. But there was 13 of them. And the first, there was... There was two that were all about the temple tax, and so they all had different purposes. And the first two was about a temple tax from the previous year and this year. And so people would walk up to these offering boxes, and they would put in money of the temple tax of what was owed. In other words, they were doing their duty. They were checking a box. They were giving God what was due to him. And this is a valid thing, but here's the deal when it comes to also with giving to God, giving honor to who God is. I think sometimes we're incredibly bored with a God that we barely know. And here is God Almighty on a throne, awesome and amazing. And all throughout the Bible, there are stories of people who get a vision of who God is. And you know what happens to them? They fall down on their face. Ezekiel couldn't talk for a week as he sat in silence with a bunch of elders around him. Isaiah was so freaked out. He's like, I'm going to get mad. I'm, I am undone. I'm, I'm sinful. Everybody around me is sinful. I'm, nothing's going to work out. Like, there was this sense when you have an encounter with God, you are blown away, and you're like, oh, my goodness, he's God. I'm not. I'm host. And this is a common thing all throughout Scripture. John, who walked with Jesus, had a vision of Jesus in the Revelation, and it said he fell down, and Jesus had to go over and touch him and pull him up because all his strength left him when he saw God. When you see God in your heart and in your life, you are forever impacted and forever changed. And some people were giving, but they had never had that encounter with God. And so they're checking the box, and they're giving the temple tax, and giving God what's due him, and yep, there I go. But Isaiah, when he saw God, he says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I've seen, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king of glory. And God met him there, and it forever changed his life. 
when we get an image of a picture of who God is, we can't help but go, oh my goodness, I want to give God what's due him. The other, the other um, boxes, there was three other, there was seven other boxes. There was temple tax for those two, year, previous year, that year. And then there was boxes three through eight, and these ones were all about sacrifice. And so instead of bringing your goat or your lamb or your whatever, your pigeon to church because they needed to do a sacrifice, they would bring the equivalent of the money worth for that thing and they would drop it in the offering box. In other words, everybody who's giving in these boxes is giving because they're guilty. They're giving because they messed up. They're giving because they need to bring a sacrifice. They're giving. And so day in and day out, all these people would come, and at the end of the day, the priest would collect all the money, count it up, and go, okay, that's this many bulls, that's this many turtle doves. And then the next day, they would sacrifice those animals. Now, how many know that a, that a, a sacrifice to an animal doesn't save you? It's faith in Christ that saves you. And God set up this religious law to point forward to the point that the only way that we can be ever okay with God is there needs to be a payment and a sacrifice for all the spaces that we failed, messed up, and things haven't worked out. And so these people are coming, giving to God and saying, God, I messed up. Hope that covers it. And I think a lot of us walk in that same space. We come to church. We walk through our life. We walk in a guilty conscience. We, we walk with the decisions and the things we've made. And we come and we bring a sacrifice to God and go, well, I hope that covers it. But Jesus paid the price for all of my screw-ups. He already did the payment. He already paid the price for everything. And yet, you guys, today there's still so many continually coming to drop that coin in that box to say, God, I hope I'm okay. God, I hope that I'm fine. Romans 10 verse 8 says this. The message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and it's in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scripture tells us, everyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced or shamed. But I think what happens in your week in and your week out of pursuing God is we have a voice of the accuser in our ear that reminds us of all the places that we've fallen short, and we get convinced that we need to continually make more penance. We need to do more. We need to try harder. We need to whatever. But what we really need to do is approach God every day and simply say, you already paid the price for me. And so everything that happened yesterday, everything that happens today, Jesus, I come and I acknowledge the fact that you died on a cross for me, that your blood is enough to pay the price for all my failure, all my sin. And now I step into a place of relationship with you. I'm not separated from you any longer. But guys, I think what happens is so many of us try to approach God with a guilty conscience. And so you open your Bible and you come to church and you step in and you say, okay, God, here I am again. I know I'm not okay. But we failed to recognize it was never your effort to begin with. 
I've told this story before, and I don't know if you've heard it a thousand times from me, but it's kind of like this. If religion is kind of like, man-made religion is kind of like this. Two guys on the shore of the Washington coast, me and Michael Phelps, both in Speedos. Don't get an image in your head. And we're stretching and we're getting ready, and we make the decision that we're both going to swim to Hawaii. Well, we get out there and we get through the tide, and I start swimming. I'm right next to Michael Phelps. He starts pulling ahead. And the next thing I know, I make it about a quarter of a mile, and then Jeremy kind of disappears under the waves, and Jeremy's gone. Couldn't make it. Michael Phelps keeps going. He makes it probably a good two, three, four, five miles. But what happens eventually? He doesn't make it either. And this is what man-made religion is. Regardless of your strength, your talent, your ability, nobody has the ability to swim to Hawaii. Nobody has the ability to make it the distance in God. We all need the sacrifice of Christ to make the distance. And yet we have all been pushed this thing of you got to keep working hard. You got to keep going. No, what you need to do is not work harder, but gaze longer. Spend time in his presence. Spend time with him. Our transformation happens as we spend time with him. God wants to take our guilty conscience and transform it as he washes us and draws us close to him. Love what it says in, in um, the Old Testament. It says, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make you white as snow. Seriously, I'll make you white as snow. But he says, you got to come to me. You got to come to me with your guilty conscience. You got to come to me with the places don't measure up. Hand them to me and say, God, what are we going to do about this? And he's like, I'm glad you asked. I got a plan. Jesus sat and he watched as people came and dropped their money in with a guilty conscience, dropped their money in out of obligation, dropped their money in because they had to, dropped their money in because they were checking a box, dropped their money in in hope that maybe it would change something. And all the while, Jesus is sitting there and he's watching. And then there was another four boxes. There was the, the boxes for the tax. There was the boxes for the sacrifice. But then there was four other boxes, and this was for the voluntary gift. These boxes were reserved for those who simply gave because they wanted to. Old Testament, there's a story about this king, King Josiah, and he said to the priests, let's collect money and bring it in as a sacred offering to the Lord. And whether that's people coming because of duty, a payment of dows, or because of a voluntary gift, let the, let's let them bring the money. Then the king, the high priest, took a box, an offering box. He bore a hole in it. They stuck it next to the altar, and they let people give there. That's where the whole thing started. You know, you guys, following Jesus is meant to be a giving because you get to, not because you have to. But when our heart gets disconnected from who he is or what he's done, sometimes it can slide into this space of I have to. But if we're reminded of what Christ has done in our life, what we're reminded of how he's transformed us or what he's done, it becomes a I want to give. It's interesting. These boxes looked kind of funny. They, they were like a normal box, but on the top was this like trumpet type looking thing, almost like a funnel. And so when people would put their money in, it would actually make a loud clanking sound. So you'd throw the money in, and you'd hear clink, 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 clink as they would go in. So imagine you're in a line with a whole bunch of people. There's 13 boxes up here, 
And you can tell how much everybody's giving by the clanking sound. They walk up, and one person's clink. Another person, clink, 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 clink. And Jesus is sitting there, and he says that many, lar- many large people, many rich people, um, I'm sure there were some large people too, many rich people were coming and giving large sums of money. They knew that because of all the clanking sound. And so Jesus is watching all these rich people give, and it says this, and then a poor widow came and put in two copper pennies, which amounted to a penny. Imagine you're her. You're standing in line with all these people, seven rich dudes in front of you, clank, 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 all these money. She walks up, clink, clink, walks away. I wonder how she felt comparing herself to other people. You ever been there? You compare yourself to how, what you have to offer, what you have to give, and you're like, I'm just getting blown out of the water by that guy and that gal. And, and all the while, Jesus watches. He watches what I give. He watches what you give. I think one thing we've learned in this season of having kiddos, at this unpredictable time of when we don't know how much sleep we're going to get at night, right, Chelsea? And, and you're like, I want my priorities to be right. Anybody been there? I want my priorities to be right, but I'm tired. I want to put my energy in the right places, but I feel so weak. I I don't feel like what I have is good enough or right or whatever. And, And here this is, and what's interesting about this woman's offering, two copper pennies, two copper coins, was the minimum allowed amount for an offering in the temple. And Jesus says later, this is all she had to live on. The best that she could give was the minimum amount. And how did they know that she was a widow? She didn't have any sign of marriage on her life. She was probably dressed drab. She didn't have a lot of resources or finances. And here she is, standing in line with all these rich folks, ready to give her voluntary offering to God. I'm curious about some of these rich folks and how they gave. Sometimes rich people get a bad rap. There's actually also some pretty amazing rich folks, too. Some might have given because they wanted to get noticed, and they're, like, ready to clink, 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 and wave the $100 bill around. Others gave because they probably were happy to give. This is a really interesting verse, and I think we should take it to heart. It says in Proverbs 11, 24, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Isn't that interesting? Be freely. Be One gives freely, yet grows all the richer, yet another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the reality is is that a grateful heart loves to give. When you have a grateful heart, when I have a grateful heart, I love to give. A stingy heart, I think, is often a fearful heart. There won't be enough. Sometimes a stingy heart is also a hurting heart. I don't know if I can afford to give my time, my energy, my emotion, because I'm going to get hurt in the process. God's promise to us, though, is if we give, if we give, He always, you can't outgive who God is. Verse 42, a poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which mounted to a penny. Now, we don't know the motivation of this woman in her giving, 
Jesus just went on railing about the religious leaders and how they would twist words and make people feel guilty so that even widows were be giving away their homes so that so these religious leaders were profiting on us. So maybe maybe she was twisted by by the, the words of some preacher who was saying you should give this. Maybe she was giving out of a grateful heart that just said, I, I just love God and I wanna I wanna give. We really we really don't know. But we do know this she wasn't giving to impress anybody. She was standing there in a line with a bunch of people that had something much more impressive to give. And she came with her honest, simple gift of her life. And she's like, God, here you go. Unimpressive, not noticed by others. But she made a gift. And her gift made a small little clinking sound. And Jesus saw it. says this in Revelation 2.15. And guys, I think this is you and I think this is me. Jesus was talking. He was talking to them and he said in verse 17, he said, I know your deeds, or verse 15, I know your deeds. Well, you can skip actually to verse 17. It says this. I might have got the wrong chapter. It says, you say I am rich, I've prospered, and I've grown wealthy, and I have needed nothing. And you do not know that you are actually in great need. I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been refined and heated in the fire so that you might become truly rich and white clothes representing righteousness to clothe yourself so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen and healing salve to put on your eyes so that you could see. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline, showing them their faults and instructing them. So enthusiastically repent, change your ways, change your thinking, seek God's will. I think if we really saw ourselves for who we are, we would realize that we're all this poor widow. That in my righteousness, in my deeds, I've, I'm in the dress clothes that are kind of drab. I'm, I'm the one not bringing much. And sometimes, whether you have a lot or a little, but to recognize this is really the state of where we are. We all come with something small, and we say, God, here you go. And God sees, and he promises this. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those that recognize their poor state apart from themselves and go like, I, I need his help. I need God. This one preacher, I really like what she said. She, she was, I think, 17, 18 years old, and she was talking to God one day, and she said, God, if you can use nothing, here it is. God, if you can take what's not all that impressive and not all that amazing and use it, here it is. Oh, guys, Jesus watches, and he sees, and he sees the treasure that you bring, and he, we bring our little gift and go, well, it's two little copper pennies. It doesn't look like all that much, but here you go, God. He sees. He sees you at the two in the morning when you're crying out and saying, oh, God, help. He sees you in the simple ways that you choose to love others and love God. And all you feel like you have is barely maybe the minimum of that. Maybe something works. And all you hear is a faint clink, clink as you put it in. God sees. Jesus sees your heart of what you give. Verse 43 says this. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, Oh. 
put in more than all who are contributing into the offering box. Next verse. Next slide. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all that she had to live on. She was all in. And that's what God's looking for from you and me. When you might say, like, my life's not that impressive. I'm not, I don't have a lot to offer. But he's like, yes, but can you just offer me you? Just offer me you. Offer what you have. Your, your heart. Just, just offer it to me. And that's what he's looking for. I wrote this down this morning, and I felt like it was important for somebody to hear this statement. You can't out-give God. You can't out-give God. He said he promises to take care of you. He wants to lead you. You can't out-give God. I was listening to this guy share the other day. And uh, he was a really rich business leader. And he was, one night he was looking and he had a really successful business and he said to himself, you know, like, interesting, like, I, I, how much money have I been? I've done pretty well. And he, he looked at his saving, his checking account and he's like, okay, I have this much there. And, and then he uh, went to his uh, savings and he's like, oh, I have that much there. And then he looked at his investments. Oh, I got that much there. He looked at his retirement. He had all this money built up. He's like, oh, that's cool. And the next morning he um, was sitting there and he was having his time with Jesus and he heard God say in his heart, how much money do you have in your, how much money do you have? And he's like, uh, do you mean like on me? How much money do you have? Oh, you mean like in my savings account? How much money do you have? And so anyway, he was resisting the whole question, but in the end he's like, he ended up saying, well, God, I have, I have this much. And, and this is not a call for anybody to give their money away right now. But he felt like God told him, give, his, give it away. He gave it all away. That same time, about next year, he was sitting there having his time with Jesus, and he felt like God said to him, hey, how much money do you have? And he, then he felt like God said, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to give it all away again. And he looked at his bank account, and he said he had, he had um, twice as much in his bank account that next year as he had the previous year. He took him, he said, again, they felt like the Lord said, I did in one year what you tried to do in 17 years. This is not a rich quick scheme, okay? This is, the goal is not like whatever. Here's the point. What is in your hand? What do you have to give to the Lord? God can do more with what's in his hand than you can ever do in 17 years in your own hand. What's in your hand? What talent is in your hand? What gifting is in your hand? What finances is in your hand? Could it be that God would say, would you give it to me? Would you say, what, 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 would, you, what would I have? What would God have for you? He can do more, double what he can do in his hand than what you can do in yours. Hey, Nick, can you pop on up? I don't know if Nick's back there. Um, as I was praying about this this morning, I a couple things came into my heart. One was this. Jesus sees you. He sees you. 
He sees you as you come with your simple gift and your simple offering and your attempt to be right with him and your attempt to serve him. And he sees you. He sees you right where you are. He knows our poor state. He knows our heart. He knows what you can give. He's not asking you to be destitute. He's asking you to trust him. And I, I, I had a sense in my heart this morning for someone here that you feel ashamed about what you have to give to God. Like you feel ashamed like I'm not really giving God anything worthwhile. And I'm, I just felt like the Lord says today, he honors you. Just like the widow, he honors you. He looks at you. I just ask everybody to look at me. He just says to you, well done. Like seriously, well done for giving God your best. He honors you. He doesn't shame you. He doesn't look at you and say, you're not given enough. No, he looks at you and says, well done. You're coming like the poor widow. Well done. You're putting in your two copper pennies. Well done. Keep coming. There are small things that we do each week. Those little moments where we turn our heart to God. If you're like my wife and she's three in the morning with a crying baby and she's struggling to be like, how can I do this whole connect with God thing? And she's like trying to pray in the middle of a crying baby and whatever. And Or maybe you live by yourself and you're fighting off waves of depression and different hits and you're in the middle of it. You're like, I'm going to worship God right now. Or maybe you came to church this morning and everything took you, everything in you to actually just get in the door here this morning. God's like, well done. You brought your two copper pennies. Keep coming. Some people come and they drop in a whole whack of cash and it's, and you're like, wow, they're impressive. God's like, don't look at them. Don't worry about what they're going to give. You just focus on what you have to give. Jesus sees the gift that you bring and he says, it's enough. What you have, it's enough. I put that in your hand for you to give. It's enough. God looks at you and he says, I have something beautiful I want to do in you and through you. Trust me. So I felt like the Holy Spirit said that. The second thing I felt like was the Lord was saying, I want to cleanse some of you from the feeling of having to give because of duty or requirement. God is looking at you and I and he's saying, look, I paid the price. I want you to have a high view of me and I want you to trust me, but I want you to know that I paid every price for every sin, every struggle. Guilt doesn't belong on any heart. Just come, trust him, follow him. He wants our hearts to be freed from the space of the have to and step into the get to. And here was the last thing I felt like this morning. I love how we do offering and stuff at Bless the City because it's a box at the back. We don't usually ever talk about the finances, but everyone just kind of gives. And the Bible actually talks about that, that you just, we want to give from a grateful heart. It's not about anyone seeing it. It's about just giving because we have a heart gratitude towards God. But this is what I felt like God was saying is that in our finances, in our time, and in our, gra- in our love for people, there was specific things that we needed to do this week as a simple offering to God. And a few images came to mind. Maybe that's you writing out a check for 17 cents 
today, or maybe it's a, it's a, a thing where you're going to drop something in the offering box because you're like, God, I'm honoring you. That's a real practical way. But secondly, maybe this week, you're going to be at the grocery store or the coffee shop, and you're supposed to buy a coffee for a person behind you and get it for them and just simply look them in the eye and say, just want you to know God loves you so much. You're going to be walking into a store, and you're going to hold the door open and just honor somebody. Your simple offering. We're going to bring the love and the heart of Christ as we, you know, get gift wrap paper and whatever. But that simple offering of just, God, I bless you. People, I bless you. God, here's my offering. And I just wanted to say this to you. He sees it. He honors it. He sees how you treat people. He sees how you love on him. I just want to end with this simple thought. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says this. The point is this. Whoever sows a little will also reap a little. Whoever sows a lot will also reap a lot. Everybody should give as they have decided in their heart to give. Not reluctantly or because they have to, but cheerfully. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you'll abound with everything you need. God wants to make us happy givers, whether that's a little, whether that's a lot, not the point. It's all for him. Can we just all stand up this morning and God, we just come to you with our two copper pennies and we confess that we're not enough but you are God we pray for any person in this room struggling with um, feelings of guilt or not measuring up or maybe shame of the things of the past and we just pray in Jesus name we pray a washing from every sin and every struggle every space God where we felt like we haven't done it right And Jesus, we come like this poor widow with our simple offering. We come up to the offering plate, and we're not worried about anyone noticing how big or small our gift is. We just drop it in to say, thank you. We love you, Jesus. And just put a hand on your heart. God, I I just pray this simple thing this morning. Let every person here today know the love that you have for them. And I pray that that love wouldn't be something that just stays for us, but it would flow through us. Let every person around us encounter the love and the power of God. And everyone said, amen.